Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. How will DeGrom and his health influence the Mets at the trade deadline? Well, it's going to be determinative, Sal, toward years of Mets' future because, look, this team's going to make a move or moves. They are all in, and they're not going back on that. Uh, so the question is going to be, do they have to give up the little prospect capital they have for high-end starting pitching. The Luis Castillos and the Frankie Montases are out there, but this is a team that's already paid Scherzer, already uh, traded for Chris Bassett, so they really would prefer to focus their resources on depth rotation, on high-end um, late-inning relief, on a DH possibly. Uh, but you're looking at DeGrom, uh, Scherzer, and Carrasco, and now, of course, Tyler McGill too. You're down four starters right now. Now, Carrasco, they don't think is going to be a big deal. Scherzer, it's an oblique, but he's coming back uh, possibly as soon as Sunday. Uh, if they have two of those three guys, Scherzer, Carrasco, and DeGrom healthy, they don't have to entertain giving up prospects for a high-end starting pitching, starting pitcher. Uh, so what we see with all of those guys uh, over the next couple of weeks is just going to determine Billy Epler's strategy there and what he feels that he's going to have to do to keep this team as a World Series contender. And DeGrom, of course, is the biggest wild card because he hasn't pitched in more than a year uh, they really hope they can see him for a good stretch of like a few weeks before the trade deadline because they have to know are there going to be setbacks? Is he effective? Can he pitch anymore? Is this a guy we can count on? They'd like to know more about that before they decide, hey, we're going to talk about uh, a Francisco Alvarez or a Mark Vientos or a Brett Beatty uh, for one of these high-end starting pitchers. That's what DeGrom, Scherzer, and Carrasco and their health is going to determine. I have great confidence in Billy and his uh, baseball staff. Uh, and, you know, to date, they've made a number of very good decisions. Um, none of us ever hits 100%. So, you know, as we get to the deadline, however, you know, it's not just a matter of making baseball decisions, but it's balancing short-term for long-term. And we've got some very good prospects, four or five of them. Probably everybody will be asking for those. And, uh, you know, we got to be really careful. We gave up a good prospect last year. Mm -hmm. and uh he's doing he's doing very well this year for the cubs so um uh yeah i mean there'll be it'll be it'll be a you know kind of a joint conversation but uh i i have been and will continue to be pretty deferential to uh billing and staff as i think will steve <laughs> It's 
It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, June the 26th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network as well as RisingApple.com. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. We got a fun show for you today. I'm kind of going to do an education series for everybody here because I'm getting a little worried about all of you. I'm starting to think that you're getting cold feet about winning the championship. I'll get to that. I also am going to address maybe the next two media trolls that you're going to experience. One involves Jacob deGrom. The next one will be our good friends. We're going to see them in about a month, and we haven't talked about them all year. And for the most part, they haven't really been a big deal as part of this show for a while. It's our good friends across town, the New York Yankees. No, I'm not going to get into the Subway Series. That's a conversation for after the All-Star break when we get to the actual Subway Series. You're going to start to see the media troll you about the Yankees again. Trust me on this. I could see it. I got some clips to prove it. But we'll first, we'll start here. And I'm going to ask you a pointed question. And I want you to think, and I want you to think hard, and I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you want to win a championship? Do you want this Mets team that is built to win a championship, a team that has the oldest team in baseball, the oldest pitching staff in baseball, one of the oldest offensive in baseball, offensive teams in baseball? Look it up. You can look it up. The facts are there. I'm not just making it up. A team that's built to win now, right now built to make the playoffs. I think it's fair to say the Mets are going to be in the playoffs. I know everybody hates declarations like that, but the more the more that we get into deeper in the season, the closer we get to the All-Star break, the more we see all the competition, the Mets are a playoff team. Maybe they don't win the division. Maybe you don't feel they're going to win the division, but they're a playoff team. But do you really want to win a championship? And I'm going to pause for a second because I want you to think about that because I think you're probably going to say yes, but I'm not sure, and I'll tell you why. Because you heard coming in the philosophy of, well, basically Andy Martino, who's always been, always been on the inside thinking of the Mets. You may not like Andy. I mean, geez, I mean, sometimes his political rantings, Jesus, if he uses the word privilege one more time in a tweet, I might... You know, throw my phone out the window. Andy, if you're so privileged, then give up your job, dude. But I'll put that aside and and give the guy credit. He he has about as much inside information about this club as anybody. A club that, since Steve Cohen took over, does not really leak a lot. Sandy Alderson never liked the media. I know that for a fact. I've talked to an agent who dealt with him. Really didn't like leaking stuff to the media. Didn't want anybody to have access one over the other. Since Steve Cohen took over, the leaking has been very minimal. Which makes you wonder, Jeff Wilpont, <clears throat> who who that really was leaking to the media all those years. And he basically said the Mets are all in. Steve Cohen has said the Mets are all in. And then you heard a clip from Sirius XM, Sandy Alderson, typical lawyer. Sandy loves Sandy is like an independent voter. You could never get them to commit to anything until they're well, let me be fair. Sandy's like an independent voter that's undecided till the exact minute they go into the voting booth and they start flipping the buttons or doing the circles, depending on how your you know, locality does voting, because it's like you can't get anything out of him. He's tough. He's a lawyer, right? And Sandy does the, uh, well, I don't know this. All due respect, Sandy, you have no baseball say. He basically told you in that clip he has no baseball say. He's deferring to Billy Epler. It's Billy Epler's show. Billy Epler wasn't taking this job so he could listen to Sandy Alderson and his 2010 uh, ideas. All right, so let's get that out there. Why I say, are you ready to win a championship? Because winning a championship comes with risk. And it comes with pain. And no, it's not the pain throughout the journey, like, you know, the old Queen song, I've taken my bows, no pleasure cruise. You know all the lyrics from that song, I'm sure. The pain comes from what you have to invest to win the championship, whether it be player health, prospect capital, money, 
and Sandy talks about balancing now for the future. Let me tell you something right now, if you're a Mets fan. Here on this Sunday, June the 26th, Braves are playing the Dodgers. The Mets will either be four or five games up by the time you listen to this, either late Sunday night, early Monday morning, you know, during whatever on Monday. Mets are going to be about four or five games up. They're 20 games over 500, and I think as we go into the All-Star break, I cannot see this team, short of something really dramatic happening, not being anything but a solid position at the All-Star break with their eyes on making a drive towards improving the team at the trade deadline and then going out and getting it done just as we outlined the map back all the way on April Fool's Day when these shenanigans all started or about a little after April Fool's Day. And if you are going to have the mindset here as a fan that says, I really want to win, but uh, I can't, you know, I love these prospects. I love prospect rankings. I I really don't want to give up Vientos. I want to give up Mauricio. I don't want to give up Beatty. Oh, forget about Alvarez. I mean, if they give up Alvarez, they might, you might have them, you know, burn City Field down. And, oh, there's this kid, uh, Alex Ramirez down in St. Lucie. He looks really good. And Calvin Ziegler striking out all these guys. Oh, remember uh, Simeon Rids Richardson and how that trade went down and, They still can't get over Kelnick. Well, let me tell you something right now. The Mets have needs, and I think you saw those needs throughout the last couple of weeks. You saw them in Miami this weekend. You saw them in Houston. You saw them last weekend when they were at home in City Field against Miami. They need more bullpen help. We know that. They probably need another bat. I think we're safe to say J.D. Davis and Dom Smith are not going to get it done and I don't want to hear, I know what's coming. James McCann is back. He struck out a big strikeout when we're on third today in the ninth inning. James McCann's there for his defense. Notice that the pitchers did a heck of a lot better today with James McCann behind the plate. That's what he's there for. That's not where your offense is coming from. Your offense is coming from your DH. You know, maybe to a certain degree. I know Eduardo Escobar is a great team leader and they love him, but you know, you might want to think about seeing if he's at a point in his career where maybe he's a bench player or a 300 at-bat player that comes in and does some different things. Another conversation altogether. But you're going to need a bat, and you're going to need bullpen help and, and high-leverage bullpen help. Because right now, other than Edwin Diaz, I'm not sure how much I trust anybody to get through tough parts of the order. I mean, Seth Lugo didn't look great on uh, Saturday. I know we had a 1-2-3 inning. That was the shakiest 1-2-3 inning you're ever going to have. Drew Smith has these command issues, these hiccups. I mean, I know Colin Holderman's on the way, but we don't know. Both the lefties are struggling. You know, Adovino, I love him, but sometimes, you know, he he, he hangs one or he, he, he misses his location and you have what you had today or what happened about a month ago against Nick Castellanos. So you need a high-leverage reliever. We've talked about David Robertson. Maybe there are other guys out there. And then the real question is, with this starting rotation, with McGill out, you saw how fragile Carrasco could be at his age. Scherzer coming back from the oblique. They're taking him a little bit cautiously. That's the smart thing to do. Uh, I, I know that we still don't really know when DeGrom is returning. As I said, it's probably the all-star break. I've been saying that since this all went down. And who knows how many starts you're going to get out of him. And he's certainly, I don't think, going to get more than 75 to 90. I mean, if you get him to 100 pitches, you're talking really late in the year. So you're going to need tons of bullpen innings on those starts when he comes in and does his five-and-flight scenarios. The Mets can get anybody they want. If the Mets want Luis Castillo, who I don't want, or Frankie Montas, or Tyler Male, if they want those guys. They want to go out and get a really high-leverage reliever if one of those guys becomes available. If you, uh, you know, depending on, and who knows how you know, certain teams are going to play this, whether the White Sox are going to sell... You know, would a Liam Hendricks become available? Uh, you know, we don't know. I'm not here to go deep into that because we'll have plenty of time to get into that. You know, you go to all the relievers. You know, there's plenty of high leverage close. You know, could they do what the White Sox did with Craig Kimbrell and go out and get a second closer to really lock this thing down? You know, who's out there? You know, what could you know? Is David Bednar of uh, Pittsburgh is you know got some control? He's going to cost. And here's more of a reason why you want to go out and make the changes that you want to make because you have a real shot at winning a championship. You have a real shot at getting to the World Series. This is not a maybe anymore. We're at a point here on June 26th, the whole getting to know you nonsense, all that stuff, we're way way past that. If you don't believe, if you're still in the camp where you're waiting for the June swoon 
or you feel this is the 2021 Mets, or you feel this is a flawed team like the 2019 Mets that maybe got hot against inferior competition, if you're still in that camp, there's no convincing you. That's PTSD from X number of years you've been a Mets fan, and that's on you, and you better go to some therapy for that because I'm not here to give it to you. This is a team that has a legit shot of winning a championship. Yeah, the Braves are tough, but they're beatable. And you want to know something about the Dodgers? They got their own issues. Mookie Betts is out. They just lost one of their relievers, Daniel Hudson. Who the heck knows what's going on with Kershaw? Walker Bueller's out. They've got all their own problems. And you know what the one thing that should really salivate you as a Mets fan when it comes to the Dodgers? That when, and I can't find this quote. I think it was Buster Olney. I think it was during, I don't know where I was listening to him. It was probably on some podcast. When they asked, I think it was on the Jason Stark podcast. Maybe Jason Stark was talking about it. Maybe it was Jason Stark. I, not only Jason Stark. I don't remember. When they asked Mookie Betts, uh, excuse me, when they asked uh, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, what's the one thing they need to get through this season? You know what he said? Load management or work management. That's a team that believes that they could turn the switch on in October. That's a team that's not taking the rest of the league seriously. That's a team that views... The National League is 162 games extended spring training. And you want to know something? Maybe they're good enough to do that. By all means, they've got plenty of playoff experience. They've won a ton, and they deserve every bit the respect. And they will be the favorite against any team in the postseason. Mets aren't going to be the favorite. You know, even if they get the one seed, I don't think they're going to be a favorite. I think someone's going to find a reason why the Padres or the Braves or the um, Giants, if they're in, whoever. Cardinals, Brewers, they'll find a reason why. And look, anybody can beat anybody once you get into that tournament. And that's what, you know, that's really the point I'm getting to about upgrading the roster. Once you get into that tournament, everybody's equal. Look, the Brewers, they got Corbin Burns, they got a good bullpen, they got Josh Hader, who's every bit, if not better, than Diaz. You don't think they can beat the Mets in a three game set or a five game set or a seven game set? Of course they can. Of course they can. Anybody can. The Cardinals are probably, you know, the Cardinals, I told you when the Mets played, I thought they were one of the tougher teams out there. The record doesn't show it. But what I'm telling you is the Mets can beat any of these teams in a short series. The Mets can go to the World Series. And you just saw the Astros or a team you might play in the World Series. And, you, you know, the Yankees will see in another month. But other than those two teams in the American League, who scares you? Anybody scare you? Honestly, the Yankees don't. I'll get to that in a little bit. Astros are good. But the Astros faced the Mets, basically their seventh starter, a guy that only goes three or four innings, and Carrasco with a bad back who might not even pitch in a postseason, short postseason series in a start. Or if he does, he's game four. So let's not go crazy about how you, you know, view the Mets versus the Astros. But here's what I'm going to say. If you're serious about winning a championship, and I am, then this prospect list I'm looking at, and I'm right up here with this Baseball America prospect list, guys like Alvarez and Beatty and Mauricio and Bientos and Matt Allen and Alex Ramirez, and if you want to throw Khalil Lee in there and Calvin Ziegler and Jose Buto, and I'll go on and on, Carlos Cortez, I'll go on and on and on on this. Any of those guys, including Alvarez, for the right deal, should be on the table. And that's right, you heard me say even Alvarez. Because right now, you don't know when you're going to get another shot at all this. Because this Mets team is very similar to some other teams. Always know what we do on this program. We look at history, and we look at trends in history to predict the future here. Because whether it be politics, the world, sports, economics, whatever... You've got so much history that you could go back on to look at to say, I have a pretty good idea that this is where this is going. Don't believe me? Go back and look at teams like the Phillies who went to the World Series in 08, 09, really good in 10 and 11. They went out and they went for it. They went out and got guys like Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee, and they gave up guys like Carlos Carrasco, who was a big prospect, and Travis Darno, and a team like the Texas Rangers that went to back-to-back uh, World Series, gave up a guy like Justin Smoke, who was a big prospect back then. Oh, remember the Astros, a 100-win team back in 1998? They gave up a big prospect by the name of Freddie Garcia to go out and get Randy Johnson. 
Kurt Schilling go into the Red Sox. Think about guys like Casey Fossman, Jorge De La Rosa. Big time. Go back. You could go back to um, uh, the baseball cube. They'll give you the top rankings from every year from the last 30 years to see what those guys were. You didn't talk about it back then because nobody really hugged prospects like they do now. And I'm not saying go out and just give Alvarez away. You know, Alvarez could be your one of your solutions. You need a bat, maybe it's Alvarez. I still like to see him hit AAA pitching. I still think he looks fat. And, and by the way, didn't know, uh, there was a clip I posted on uh, Twitter, Mike, at Mike Silva Media, where Omar Minaya basically said the body looked bad. And you could say what you want about Omar, but that's a guy who knew how to scout players. He may not know how to manage an organization, and he never should have been a number one, but he knows how to recruit players, and he knows how to scout players. Just didn't know how to manage his organization. He had no management skills. So I don't care. Any of those names I gave you, maybe there's others down up and down this list. I don't care. Should be on the table to improve and win this year, next year, and the length of that share. That shares your contract that you signed, that three-year deal, that's your window. And the Mets are very similar to the 0-1 Diamondbacks and the Nationals in 19, and maybe even the Rangers and the Phillies of uh, recent years where they have this window and you have a chance to win. And if you play it, like what you heard Sandy Alderson play, well, we'll manage for now in the future. I mean, are you, do you believe people are really still obsessing over Pete Crow Armstrong, who's hitting 180 in high A? He had a nice run for two months in low A, and all of a sudden, he's the next big thing. Are we serious? The Mets had a chance to make the postseason last year, and maybe DeGrom would have came back, and maybe he would have pitched. We don't know. And that was a team that clearly in a short series, I'm not saying they'd be favored, and I don't know if they would have won a championship, but they were dangerous. You want this brand to build and grow. You want those seats at City Field to uh, uh, open up at a high level. We talked about the attendance and how it's only 1,000 people more from pre-pandemic 2019. You have an opportunity now with this owner, with the money that could be spent to perennial be in contention because he could spend money to augment that front, uh, big league roster. And yeah, I'm not saying clean up the farm system, but you're not at the point where you're the Dodgers or the Rays or the Yankees maybe because they've been able to get, yeah, let's face it, the Yankees have been able to get some guys out of the blue. They've had their own prospect uh, development issues. You're not at that point. You might have to use whatever prospect capital or the issues that you inherited pre-Cohen before you invested in all the other ancillary things like uh, analytics and additional scouting and technology and player development things. You may have to, whatever capital you have left over from Brody Van Wagenen and the Wilpon into those years, where I thought Brody did a pretty good job with the drafts, you may have to invest all of that over a big portion of that to win now. And if that's the case, I sign me up right now. And if that means in four or five years, just like the 01 Diamondbacks who bottomed out and became a bad team by 2004 and had to trade Randy Johnson and jettison Kurt Schilling off to Boston, if you have a championship and if you're sitting here now in your little you know man cave or whatever and you have that 2022 Mets World Championship banner, erase everything from 86, you'll remember that forever. You know what you're not going to remember? A lot of good teams over a four or five year span that kind of matriculated in these prospects that maybe some of them worked out, some of them became pretty good, some of them weren't so good. Maybe one of them is a star. Maybe that's Alvarez. You're going to put Banner up for that? You're going to remember that? A lot of, you know, longtime Mets fans had that old VHS video a year to remember. Okay? You think they have that if they don't give up? Prospects for Gary Carter? You think if they held on to Mike Fitzgerald or Herm Winningham or Floyd Yeomans or any of those guys? You know, that would have been, back in that day, that would have been a controversial trade. You know, if they if they held on uh, to prospects instead of getting Tim Tuffle or held on to Calvin Chiraldi instead of trading him for Bobby Ojeda, Calvin Chiraldi was a big-time pitching prospect for the Mets. Think about all those trades that Frank Cashin made. Again, we use history to look at the future and how they would have been viewed by today's lens with shows like this. And maybe I'm looking this straight from Twitter. Maybe that's the way I look at it. I'm looking at it because I'm on Twitter. And I know Twitter's not the real world. And I don't listen to a hell of a lot of WFA anymore because I can't take it. But I do talk to fans that are uh, non-Twitter non-social media type of fans. And they prospect hug, too, because now that's really made its way 
into the mainstream if you just read the New York Post, the New York Daily News. And they're, they're kind of, oh, can't give up the prospects, can't give up the prospects. You will not win a championship without pain. And you will not win a championship without being bold. And Billy Epler is going to have to be bold. Now, I'm not saying he has to be crazy and put all his chips in. And there's no reason you have to give up Francisco Alvarez for you know David Robertson. But if you want a Tyler Male, if you want a Frankie Montas, if you want a Luis Castillo, if there's somebody else I'm not thinking about, personally, I, I, out of all three of those guys, I might go for Male because I think he might be the guy that has the best upside, even though his numbers right now are not the best, his traditional numbers. I mean, Mauricio, Beatty, all these guys should be on the table. Now, I'm not saying overpay, but at some point, you think teams are going to sit back while they have the Dodgers going after potentially pitching, while they have the Yankees maybe going after some of the stuff, maybe the the Padres are going after, the Cardinals. All these teams that are at the top are going to be going for a lot of the same things the Mets are. Not saying give up Alvarez for uh, Josh Bell. That's foolish. But if you get deeper and deeper into this, and it's the difference between giving up uh, you know, your 18th best prospect or your 15th best prospect to get Josh Bell, you do it. Because you need that bat. You know, I don't know if Dom Smith and J.D. Davis are going to fetch anything. Maybe. You know, maybe it's you know, those secondary guys like Bell and, and, and Nelson Cruz. Maybe you could give him a, 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 a Dom Smith and say, hey, look, he ain't working out here. You play him every day. Maybe you could find something in him. But more than likely, they're going to want prospects. So my message to you on this Sunday, and after this, I mean, geez, that crazy loss. This is the first time I have, I could not sign up for Peacock and watch that. I wasn't going to pay $4.99 to watch that game today. I listened to it on the radio, and I'm glad I didn't listen to it. I actually had to go somewhere. I didn't listen to the ninth inning. I said, let me catch it on the MLB uh, TV afterwards, and I'm glad I didn't. That was a frustrating game. Uh, reminds me of the old days before I had... T- Cable, because I didn't have cable as a kid. I only could watch. Back then, you could watch about 100 games because there was probably 60 to 70 games on cable. It was more skewed toward free TV, but I digress. Um, you know, you, 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 I'm telling you here on this day, I'm not here to talk about the road trip or the Texas teams coming in. I'm talking about buckling up and really be serious if you're ready to win a championship. Because there's going to be a lot of stress, not just for, with big outs and late innings, not just with winning big series against the Braves. Uh, it's going to be about how does this team address the three, the two to three things that they need to address to really put themselves in a chance to win a championship. They're a playoff team now. Not sure if they're a championship team because I got to tell you, I don't think they can navigate uh, outside of the three outs of the ninth inning. When a starter comes out, I don't know if they can navigate the seventh and eighth inning with what they have now against a really good Dodgers team. And I don't know against a really good starter in the postseason if their lineup is deep enough with J.D. Davis or Dom Smith in there. I really don't think it is. And you want to know something? If a starter's out there and he's got some team control like a Molly or a Montas, I'm not saying give up Alvarez. I'm not saying give up all your top prospects. But I'd have serious conversations because Bassett's a free agent. And I'll get to that after the break. There's t- um, DeGrom has talked about a be- being a free agent. And there are some that think he doesn't even want to be here anymore. And I'll tell you why I think that's a little bit of a troll, but that's a whole other story for another day. So that's my message coming in here. Do you know the cost of winning a championship? Are you ready for the cost of winning, the champion- of winning a championship? Are you, are you more prone to playing it safe just like that independent voter who goes in the booth and says, eh, I don't know. You know. Make a decision. Take a stand. Be bold. That's what winning championships all about. Being on the fence, playing it safe, that gets you second place. That gets you third place. That gets, ah, uh, darn, we'll try, we'll try it again next year. That's exactly the mindset that ticked you off when the Wilpons were in charge. But uh, listening to a lot of you, that's ingrained in you. Because you're more concerned about what Ronnie Mauricio could do three years from now. Or Jake Magnum could do. Or Brett Beatty could do. When you don't know if any of them could do anything. Look at Jared Kelnick. He's still in AAA. After all the hype, all the nonsense, I'm not saying he won't be a good player. Pete Armstrong's in high A. The earliest he'll make any impact is two, three years from now. At least. And who knows if he needs to go through a year or two. He could be 25, 26 years old before he makes an impact. Jeff McNeil didn't make it till he was 27. 
So really think about it. That's my message for you tonight. Think about it. Are you really ready to uh, for, for winning a championship? Are you ready for what's coming? Or are you looking to play it safe? Because if you play it safe and that's what you want, I don't think the end result is what the end result that you think you want to get is the one you're going to get. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Jacob DeGrom and his free agency. That will be the troll. And I love John Heyman. I love Joel Sherman. They do great work. I actually texted John a week ago saying I love his new show. He's got a new podcast out there. Let me give it a plug. It's called The Show, a New York Post baseball podcast with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. It's called The Show. They talked about Jacob DeGrom's pending free agency or impending free agency and why they think DeGrom doesn't want to play in New York. We'll talk about that and more right after this. And that leads to another question, John. We have spent a lot of time in this city, and it's really as big a question as there is in baseball, wondering what is Aaron Judge's future? He's a free agent at the end of the year. Jacob DeGrom can opt out, and he has said he's going to opt out. You've made this point strongly on this show several times, that even if it's just a start or four or ten, that that is not going to dissuade him from opting out, that there will be teams that will give him more money than in his, in his uh, contract right now. What do you think about his long-term future? Is it a New York long-term future? I'd be guessing to a degree because I have not asked him directly that question. There is one or two people with the Mets who say that he does like New York. You know, I'm not sure of that. You hear the rumors that he'd rather be pitching somewhere else. As I said, I, I can't be 100% sure what's in his mind. I, I think the reason he's saying I'm opting out is because he doesn't like his contract. I mean, that's pretty clear. He changed agents even after he got hurt. I'm still opting out. He looked at the contract. He probably, the $30 million salary looks okay for one year, next year. But that team option for another $30 million or so probably tells him, you know, he doesn't want the team to have the team option and he can do better overall if he... Uh, opts out no matter how many appearances he makes. So I, I do believe he's opting out because of the contract. You know, if I were to guess, and, and I don't know this, he, is not, he does not confide in me, and I have talked to him the last few days about, you know, stuff around the ballpark and things like that. You know, I was doing a crossword puzzle. I went up to him. We chatted about that. I talked to him about a few things. I don't, I don't know whether it's New York or whatever. He's not really relating to everybody. Maybe it's the writers. I don't know. I'd be guessing, but you hear rumors, and I kind of believe that he might prefer to be elsewhere. Don't know that, as I said. You hear rumors that maybe he'd prefer to be with Atlanta, with Houston, Tampa. Doubt they'll have that kind of money, but that'd be a guess on my part. All right, we're back. I'm not going to make this too long, but you heard both Joel Sherman and John Heyman talk about Jacob deGrom and I know a lot of people have talked about the peculiarity of DeGrom opting out and why he would do that after injury plague season. And it was pretty much put out there earlier in um, even the off season, maybe even at the beginning of the season when even before he got hurt in spring training, when he said, basically, I'm, I'm opting out. I mean, he, he came out. That was one of the first things he said. One of the things that, and the Nationals have done this, uh, and the Wilpons did this quite a bit. When they signed Jacob deGrom, there was a, a ton of deferred money attached to that contract. And, and that doesn't help you with the AAV. Uh, but at the end of the day, from what I understand, the amount of deferred money in that deGrom contract that he can opt out of is worth him trying to put himself on the market and get himself a shorter-term deal. Let's face it. The guy wants $40-plus million like Scherzer got. That's what he wants. He sees Scherzer getting $43 million a year for the next three years. He's going to want that for the next three years. Uh, I think his current contract is uh, basically 20 You know, I, I think it's actually deferred, so it's not even $30 million now. I think it's $24 million. He's underpaid. I mean, crying out loud, Chris Bassett, I think, is, what, getting $19 million option for next year? DeGrom, by who he is, is underpaid. His contract from 2019 is antiquated. It became antiquated very quickly. Scherzer set a new bar. He wants to get paid. Now, why are we now hearing about DeGrom not wanting to be in New York? I'll tell you why. And it's very simple. And Heyman admitted it. You heard what John said. He has no information on it. He's basing it on the arm's length relationship that DeGrom has with the media. And let's really go back all these years since DeGrom has been here. 
How much do you really know Jacob deGrom? We all knew Matt Harvey. Oh, the Dark Knight. He made sure you knew about him. And we all knew Syndergaard because, you know, he was Thor and then he was, his entrance music was Game of Thrones and the Halloween theme song and thrown behind the head of Alcides Escobar and the World Series and the Flowing Locks and I'm going to throw 900 miles an hour and lift weights and tear my lat. You know, Thor talked a lot. You know, he's doing the book club while he's rehabbing. Steven Matz, quiet guy, did great charitable work for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the 9-11 or the fire department. I can't remember. Does great charitable work. I, I'm sure you could go look it up on his website. And uh, a local kid. So you heard a lot about his battle in high school with Marcus Stroman when Patchogue played um, Ward Melville. So you knew a lot about, I think, Matz, not because he was braggadocious, because he was a local kid. But what do you really know about DeGrom other than he went to Stetson, he's a converted shortstop, and he came out of nowhere. And he made this start against the Yankees that he wasn't supposed to make because he was brought up to come out of the bullpen. Believe it or not, Rafael Montero was brought up, the guy that you saw pitch against the Mets earlier this week at the same time. And that was supposed to be the best of all the prospects, maybe even better than Harvey. And he now he's a good bullpen arm. And he's never really gone back down. I mean, DeGrom made that start against the Yankees back in 2014. He took the job, and he never let it go. And he had his coming-out party against the Dodgers and the NLDS. I mean, think about it. Up until the NLDS, we thought DeGrom was a good pitcher, but we did not put him on the same plane as Syndergaard, Mats, Harvey, and he's the best one of all. And then he goes through a tough period after he has the ulnar sur- uh, surgery in 2016, and you lose him, big loss in 2016, and he... Part of why he uh, reinvented himself, I think, go back and look, John Smoltz had a conversation about long tossing and throwing in between starts. And ever since 2018, he's become this machine, and then it culminates with this half a season before he got hurt last year where he's basically a video game. He's, you know, nobody could touch him. And we'll see what happens when he comes back. But do we really know him? I mean, when he talks to the media, he kind of has these shrug answers. He's not rude. He's not comfortable. And I think he's basically saying, I want to come here. I want to play baseball. I want to be left alone. And it's easy for that to be translated into, I don't want to be in New York. Now, maybe it's true. And let's face it. If he goes to Atlanta or St. Louis or any of these other smaller markets, that whole mindset and way of going about your craft, nobody's going to bother him and care. I also think there's a component of the media that wants – there's no controversy around the Mets. I mean, Steve Cohen took over, and you had the whole thing with uh, Jared Porter and then the toxic work culture and the Trevor Bauer nonsense because they tried to sign him and the thumbs up, thumbs down and all this other stuff that went on last year. And really, over the course of the now almost two years that Cohen has owned the team, he's not only turned that around – This is a franchise that has been progressive enough where they're actually having Pride Night and doing it well. So this whole idea of controversy around the Mets, there really isn't. You know, no more rat raccoon. You know, Buck has cleaned up any kind of nonsense that's out there. They're doing everything the right way. That doesn't mean they're going to win, but they're doing everything the right way. They've got stand-up good guys in the dugout. They're trying, you know, and Tommy Tanis and his team have a big task ahead of them. They have a couple of first-round picks and... Let's see how they go with the draft. But they're doing everything right. They're spending money. They're pushing the envelope and, and, and spending at what their owners should spend, their market should spend. They haven't yet, you know, they're investing in analytics and new technology, which is everything that the Dodgers and teams like the Rays have done all these years. So there's really nothing to criticize them for. But what they really can get them on is how can you let Mr. Met the Mets modern day version of Tom Seaver go. And that's going to be something I think that they're going to start to look at. Remember, you need to have something to, if you're really going to have clicks between now and the postseason, unless the Mets have some sort of collapse, which you saw some people already say, Oh, look at the Mets blowing a 10 and a half game lead, a 10 and a half game lead in, uh, in May. I mean, you know how many teams have come back from 10 game deficits in, in May? The Braves themselves did against the giants in 93. I mean, you know, it's it's not 
10 games in May is is not an insurmountable deficit. I mean, what did the Oakland A's, when they won 19 in a row, what was that, 2002? I think they blew through a, a 10 or 12-game deficit from early in the season. There's no collapse. They'll pitch. You know, if the Mets do lose the division, it'll be a collapse. But there's no collapse. Um, I think this is it. I think this is the way to do it is that DeGrom comes back, pitches really well, Mets get into the postseason, and maybe he doesn't have a, a, a wide uh, range of, of innings, but he's going to want to get paid like Scherzer as if he p- pitched the whole year. And and the Mets will have a pretty big decision at that point because they're going to be putting, if they p- give him $40 million, I mean, think about it. With both Scherzer and DeGrom making $40 million plus each, that's 30% of a $300 million payroll in two players who are, let's face it, one's in his late 30s, one's in his early 30s, both are no shoo-in to make 30 starts, and you really need them. And when they do get hurt, you got to hope that it happens like this year where it happens earlier in the year and it doesn't happen on September 28th when you're heading into the postseason. So I love John. I love Joel Sherman. I know what they're trying to do. I know they're trying to develop a little following of the show. Listen to that show. Great stuff. A little Yankee-centric. You could feel, look, if you didn't think Joel is a I know he's, an, he's not being anything but professional, but he loves the Yankees. He really loves the Yankees. And let's face it, he grew up as well as John. They were beat reporters for the Yankees. And you're always going to lean on where you broke your, uh, you know, you, you broke your career in, where you cut your teeth. And that's the Yankees and a bad Yankee era during the early 90s before they became the dynasty Yankees. So don't get, don't be surprised that when DeGrom comes back in the next couple of weeks, sometime around the All-Star break, as he pitches well, because I think he will. I don't think he's, you know, I, I expect him to pitch well. I don't know if he'll ever meet the expectations of everybody's, um, you know, everybody. I think once you have the first half that he had last year, it's almost impossible to make that up. I talked about this with both Pete Alonso his rookie year and DeGrom after he uh, had his Cy Young season in 2018. It's almost impossible. It's actually after 2019, impossible to live up to those standards. Look, at Doc came on our show and talked about how 85 ruined it for him, him for a lot of people because he never could do 85 again. And I expect the same thing from DeGrom. I don't think he's going to pitch to 1.12 ERA or whatever he had. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be like Scherzer. Probably pitch to two, two and a half ERA, striking a lot of guys. But I don't think he's going to have, uh, you know, one ERA like he did last year. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think he was going to be able to sustain that through the whole season. I mean, remember, his season ended July 7th, although it was getting late to the season where he had a good shot at it. So that you heard that clip. It's a little warning. You heard it here first. I always could see where the media trends are going, and this will be one of them. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, warning to all of you, let's not get caught up in the New York Yankees because I know this is coming. The Subway Series is about a month away. I'm starting to hear it. The old Yankee Met, big brother, little brother thing is coming, and the Yankee fans, especially those who are in the media, are going to want to rope you into that conversation. Don't get caught up in it. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. I understand that there's randomness, and who the hell knows what's going to happen in baseball. It's not like the NBA where it's almost like, all right, you got a LeBron in his prime, you're going. You got Curry and Clay before he gets hurt, and the KD, you're going. Magic and Kareem, you're going. But if I said to you right now, Late June, who do you want to play in the World Series? Ah, uh, what is? Let me stop you for a second as you conjure up an answer. How do you pause? Because I don't oh, want geez. I don't want anybody. I just want to be in the World okay. Series. I, I, That's the I, thing. I, 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 don't, I don't need I, to pick an opponent. I understand that. I understand that. Let's assume you're in the World Series. Who do you want to play? The best team. From the AL, which at this moment would be the Yankees. Why are you being evasive? Why because you... I don't have because I don't have that answer. You're coming real. Tell me why you don't want to play the Yankees. No doubt about it. As a 36-year-old Met fan, I look at it like this. I had a big choice when I was young. I had the Yankees, which was door number one. That's like a Cadillac. And door number two was the Mets, which is like a toaster oven, right? That's <laughs> or what, that's donkey, what I if you want. No, yeah, a donkey or... Uh, let's make a deal. I'm, t- I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Or, Not a donkey. Or, or, or a blow dryer. Now, I looked at it like this. When we lost to the Royals in the World Series, I've never met a Royal fan. I'm never going to meet a Royal fan. Mm-hmm. But the Yankee fans I know, they're my cousin. My dad's a Yankee fan. I share the subway with them. There is no escaping it. Mm-hmm. If the Mets play the Yankees this year in the World Series and the Mets lose, it's over. Fold it up. It's done. There is no coming back from that. In my lifetime, I will have seen them lose three World Series twice to the Yankees. 
twice. Not to mention the collapses with the Phillies. Not to mention all that stuff with the Braves. Uh, It is over. That tab that they have run up is now unlimited, and they can never pay it back. Okay, but now here's to that. But again, if if I'm creating a a guaranteed bridge to the World Series, now not not guaranteed victory, and I'm saying, who do you prefer to beat? It's like saying, who do you prefer to date? If you got to have an opinion. If there's no choice, if there's no choice, and the only team to face in the World Series is the New York Yankees, bring it on. That is, that is. That's it. Don't, don't wait. Don't say that and then say bring it on like Tony Tough Guy. I, but I've no, always said bring that. it on. If. Stop it. Listen, I've always said I have, <laughs> I have 100% uber confidence. But again, I don't need this nonsense. I don't need, oh, I got to beat the Yankees to feel freaking good about myself. I don't care about you guys. No, I, I really truly don't. And I don't think I, BT, I think you're missing the point. I don't think the Mets fans care about you guys. I don't, I don't think you know that. I, we listen. actually don't care. It's amazing. You're missing the point. No, no, We but, don't care. If you're telling me I have to play the Yankees, then bring on the freaking Yankees and we'll beat you. No big deal. We'll do that. <laughs> but we're not saying that. We're saying... You get an opportunity to win a World Series. Who do you want? Anyone. Mm-hmm. I want to win. Could be my freaking East. It's a Little League team. I want to win. Okay. Okay. That was, that was fairly convincing. <laughs> I still don't believe you. That's it. That's, it. That's all I got. So, I tapped out. I hear you, man. <laughs> Brandon Tierney, BT, he was always good to me way back when he was out in the Bay Area. And I I remember I did some kind of one-on-one with him on an uh, interview on the old NY Baseball Digest. And I think he even came on my, uh, used to have variations of this podcast I've had him on. So, and I've I've talked to him. So, you know, Brooklyn guy, great story. Remember him back when he used to do the Knicks, when he was on ESPN Radio, and he would do the Knicks pregame right there in the, uh, you know, the open area as you walked into Madison Square Garden. So I love him to death, but he's a Yankees fan, and he's a smug Yankees fan who grew up in the 90s smugness of Yankees fans, and he's trying to troll Mets fans who are at the station who played right into his hands in that debate. Here's one of the things that we haven't got into this year, and we really ignore for the most part. Now, I've talked about it on the show. The media loves the Yankees. They love the history, the tradition, the narrative, the the stadium, especially the old stadium. They love being part of baseball royalty. You know, covering the Yankees in that postseason atmosphere became a rite of passage throughout the late 90s. And a lot of those who are in the media now, not so much the younger ones, but the real established ones, those are some of the best times of their career. Who wouldn't want to be part of covering the Yankees during that 96 run and seeing them win or that historic 98 team or part of the Subway Series matchup in 2000 or what they saw, those dramatic come-from-behind wins against the Diamondbacks in 2001. Who wouldn't? I think they've anointed this team, and they started to anoint this team with their youth movement, quote-unquote, back in 2017, and it never materialized. And I think a lot of them got angry about that and turned quite a bit on this team last year, the Yankees last year, as they went through, uh, although they were good, you knew throughout last year they probably were lacking on winning a championship. Just because you're good and you make the playoffs doesn't mean you're a championship team, especially now with additional wild cards. And and it goes back to what I talked about in the Open. Mets are a playoff team. I think the Mets can compete for a championship. I don't know if they could win a championship yet. I'm still questioning that. Now, the Yankees are having this historical 1998 run. I will tell you, and I don't spend a lot of time watching the Yankees. got to be honest with you. I spend all my time watching Mets baseball. I certainly check in with other teams, but my focus here is to really dive in and give you an assessment about the Mets, not to give you a baseball show. I find it hard to believe that this version of the Yankees, although they have some really good arms, especially coming out of the bullpen, and you know, a guy like Cole who you know may not be worth the money post-spider tack, but still is a good top-of-the-rotation arm. And they've got some guys, these diamonds in the roughs, like Nestor Cortez Jr. I'll tell you what, Nestor Cortez Jr., I thought his coming-out party, if you remember correctly, was last 4th of July when he pitched in Game 2 against the Mets. Remember the Mets won a big first game of that doubleheader? He pitched in Game 2, and I thought he was outstanding. And to this day... Uh, I, I remember saying, wow, who is this guy? He looked good. So not surprised he's doing, I mean, I'm a little surprised he's doing Cy Young level well. But anyway, I have a hard time believing this Yankees team 
is as good as 98. I also don't feel the same anger towards the Yankees as maybe I, certainly from when the late 90s. It was hard. I mean, anybody who grew up my generation, late 90s, from the moment 1997 came in that first Subway Series all the way into the actual Subway Series in 2000, that was almost, I always say, like, and I talked to Mike Piazza on the show about this. It was like a a Star Wars trilogy of some sorts where it was like season one, season two, season three, and it was like back and forth, back and forth, and it was this constant grind to to gain not only credibility, but really play for the title of relevancy in New York. And I also think it was for the Mets to win a generation of fans over. Because I grew up in a generation when the Mets won over the city with the 80s. And the Mets were the toast of the town. And that swung where a whole generation of young people got caught up in the 95 run, the wild card series against the Mariners, and then the subsequent championship in 96. And once you grab those fans in 96, they were gone. They're Yankee fans forever, and then their kids will become Yankees fans, and their kids' kids will become Yankees fans. And then it's like an annuity. So you have a chance at that time to kind of grab some of the city back, and the Mets failed. They lost to the 2000 World Series. And I think the Mets franchise over the next two decades, took a turn after that 2000 World Series because unlike the Yankees who continued to go out and try to leverage what they built by going out and signing Giambi and getting A-Rod, and even though those teams failed, as they got bigger bloated payrolls and they almost became a character themselves because they didn't focus on what got them there, which is the farm system, they made that pivot 10 years later, way later. And even when they've had down years, uh, when they haven't made the playoffs like 2008, it's, they haven't had bad seasons where they were irrelevant. The Mets didn't go out and get A-Rod. The Mets didn't re-sign Mike Hampton. The Mets didn't go out and say, we have this opportunity to take a team that was aging, that was a win-now team, like the team you see now, and get the pieces to get them to the next level and sustain the momentum that they built during that 2000-1999-2000 run. They didn't do that. And you know what happened. They took a turn down, and then Omar Manaya came in, and they tried to do that by signing Pedro Martinez, and Wright Reyes came in, and then there was the collapse. And you heard, you look, you heard it all throughout. So between 2000 and the collapse, six or seven years later, a lot happened to derail the Mets from capitalizing on that, what I call the golden age of the Subway Series, the late 90s. Now I think both teams are kind of in their own parallel universes. And to be honest, and... You know, I saw the juice start to come about a little bit last year during the September 11th series, the Lindor three-home run game, where he and Javi Baez, I think, got into it, Stanton. I think that was more the Yankees being annoyed by the Mets than the Mets really taking the Yankees and the Yankees Subway Series seriously. That was more about Lindor. Lindor just wanted to have his coming-out party. And I think in a lot of ways that was Lindor's coming-out party. I did a whole show on that. Go back and listen to it. And I think the Yankees fans and those of the media like BT, Brandon Tierney, notice that Mets fans are really not paying too much attention to the Yankees. We're not really taking joy in any of their losing, the few losing losing streaks they've had this year. I'm not really worried about them. You know what I'm worried about is that the Braves right now are playing the Dodgers and winning. You know what I'm worried about is Jacob deGrom getting healthy and Max Scherzer's start in Hartford for the Rumble Ponies and for Binghamton. I really don't care about the Yankees. You know what I care about the Yankees? When they play them a month from now in the Subway Series. Because those could be pretty big games for the Mets to continue to hold on. Hopefully by then they'll still be in first place, their lead for first place, or expand the lead if they're just a playoff team at that point. I do think when they play teams like the Astros and the Yankees, it's a good barometer to see where they're at from the totality of the league. Right now, they could beat anybody in the National League. And I think they could beat the Astros in a short series, but it didn't look like that by them playing them the other day. But they didn't exactly, you know, the Mets and Astros didn't exactly have mano and mano, their best pitchers, on either side on the mound. You know, Mets are going to have potentially Scherzer and DeGrom starting game one or game two of a World Series against either the Yankees or the Astros. You know, play up against that and tell me how things change. But what you're going to have the media do here is to try to dampen the Mets' success by saying, well, if you, don't, if you win, but you don't win by beating the Yankees— you haven't exercised any demons, and that's hogwash. Or they're going to ask you, do you want the Yankees? 
And you heard, you know, the hemming and whoring about one of the guys that, I don't know who these guys are on the fan anymore. I don't listen. And then you had the other guys say, well, if they lose to the Yankees, that's three times in, tw- in 22 years. The Mets are done for good. See, that's the mindset that's bad. There is nothing that could happen this year with this club. If they go to the World Series, they could lose to the Yankees. They could lose to the Astros. They could lose to whoever. And it will not change the trajectory of this franchise. Now, 2000, I think it was different. I think they had a credibility issue that was built off of the worst team money can buy and the rebuild and the and the and uh, Generation K. They had a long period of lack of success. Even though the Mets have struggled since baseball purgatory was their thing because of Madoff in 2012, they did have a World Series appearance in 2015, and they were in the playoffs in 2016. And even though they haven't had winning seasons consistently since they made the playoffs last in 2016, they really were never, for the most part, out of it on any of those seasons. Every year you went in thinking this was a team that could make the playoffs. You knew they had flaws, and you were frustrated that the team, specifically the ownership, didn't invest. But... It wasn't like the hopelessness of the 70s that we talk about, the late 70s, or some of the hopelessness of 93, after the worst team money could buy, 94. I mean, even then, that was a short period. Because 96, with the Generation K, there was a lot of hope. Anyone who was around, I was around, remembers that. There was a three- or four-year period, and the gap was really wide between the Mets and the Yankees. And look, after the Yankees won the World Series in 96, and you're a 90-loss team, and going into 97, I still remember looking at ESPN, picking the Mets to lose 100 games, because... How can you have a guy like Rick Reed as the best starter on the staff? And that team was actually pretty darn good and almost made the playoffs, almost beat the Marlins who wound up winning the championship for a wild card spot. So we'll get more into the Subway Series and whether there's juice to be had. I don't feel the same about the Mets-Yankees. The Yankees were always a barometer for like postseason back in the 90s. Those Subway Series were good tests for the postseason. I think that we're past that now. I think we've seen it so much. I think the Braves and playing the Braves is as much a barometer of postseason success as anything. The Mets going into St. Louis and beating the Cardinals or going into Milwaukee or, listen, that Dodgers series in L.A. is as much of a barometer or a pr- or practice for postseason as anything the Subway Series could bring. Because to me, if, if anybody's the barometer, it's the Dodgers over the Yankees over the last seven or eight years. Dodgers, to me, are, are the class of the class. You know, the Yankees have had a great season. They have also might be a product of, let's face it, the American League is not as strong as the National League. So this is the other thing that I'm warning you about. They're coming at you with, your season's insignificant unless you beat the Yankees. You don't win the World Series and the Yankees do. Every, every piece of progress you've made with Cohen, with Buck, doesn't matter. Don't fall for it. Eliminate the noise. Buck, you think Buck and the Mets care about the Yankees? I bet you they don't even know how many games the Yankees... I bet you they don't even know the Yankees have 50-something wins. I bet you they, they know they're good. And I'd be curious to see how the Mets stack up with the Yankees. And I think those will be fun games. And maybe a month from now, I'm going to tell you I'm wrong because, hey, the juice is back. I'm not sure. And the Yankee fan today doesn't have the same confidence... That they had back then. And I think that what you hear out of BT, that's 90s Yankees confidence that he still has, that he's trying to manufacture back up. And you know why they're bringing it up like this? Because right deep down, they know the gap is gone. They used to be able to say, look, the Mets are a big market team with a small market mentality. We're here. Don't you wish you were here? And eh, here's the carrot, but I know at the end, I'll always be able to pull it away. It's like Wiley Coyote. They know that that's not the case now because they know mano y mano, the Mets and Yankees could go after the same free agent, and the Mets may win now. In the past, if the Yankees wanted to win, the Mets would never be able to win. They know they have competition. They're trying to do is mitigate it to really disguise their own fears. So I thought that was an interesting clip, and it's the real first conversation about the Yankees we're having on this show. We'll dive deeper into the Subway Series as we get closer. That's not not important right now. You know what's important? Us wrapping up the show, looking at the week ahead, and continuing to, uh, as Buck Showalter says, focus on today's game. All right, let's take a quick break. Final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. 
The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. Don't have much left to add. Uh, A little Texas City field trip this week. Get a chance to see the Astros again and see if the Mets can with, uh, I don't know who will be pitching. I'm assuming Walker, Taiwan Walker will get one of the starts and I'm trying to think, will it be Trevor Williams again? No. So you got Carrasco that went to Yesta on, on Friday. Carrasco probably gets another start. And maybe Taiwan Walker and Carrasco. So you get a little bit better. I think that's how it's going to go. Mets have a couple of off days, which works well with the DeGrom schedule getting back. The off days have helped the Mets kind of rejuvenate here, get the bullpen healthy, get Scherzer back. Hopefully he has his rehab start on Tuesday, which means maybe come back the following Sunday against the Rangers. We'll get to see that. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to a listener of the show. He sent me a really nice email. Um, Ira Shrek, uh, hopefully I said your name correctly, Ira, gave me a little uh, uh, take. I, you know, I email. I said about all-time at shortstops that when we had Buddy Harrelson in the mix, I never saw Buddy Harrelson play. So, you know, he wrote, uh, you know, how Buddy Harrelson was his hero growing up. You know, I always felt it was like David fighting Goliath. Uh, you know, basically that Buddy had, had to fracture the talent of Arias or Endor, but he was fun to watch. He had a sense of the field. And he even brought up how there are other shortstops in Mets history that are a little le- more underappreciated, but had some good moments. Hubie Brooks was a shortstop. Actually, Hubie Brooks, I think, played third when he was the Mets. Did he play short? I think he played third. He probably played a little short, too. As well, and uh, he's right, Kevin Mitchell, which is weird to think because Kevin Mitchell is such a big guy, power hitter, outfielder. Davey Johnson actually had him short. Tells you what a great athlete he was. Ira also pointed out, as we talked about baseball movies, how uh, Pride of the Yankees was a great one for him, and um, um, there was an old time movie starring uh, former President Reagan as Grover Cleveland Alexander. Um, so there's just so much, uh, there. I think, I think other people brought up a ton of baseball movies. What was it? Uh, summer catch someone brought up. I think that's the one with Freddie Prince Jr. There was a bunch of movies that you guys brought up on Twitter that I was going to mention that were not part of the actual, um, the actual tournament. And I can't find them now. It's almost like, um, oh, well, someone brought up Friday Night Lights, which is not a baseball movie, but I love Friday Night Lights. And I'm trying to think what else was here. Jeez. Uh, hmm. Oh, this was the one, 61, asterisk 61, the Billy Crystal movie on Maris and Mantle. That's a great movie. That should be, I'll tell you what, that should have been in the um in the tournament they probably could have expanded the tournament a little bit I mean, if you want to start going back to all these old-time baseball movies like our friend iris said you know probably could have expanded on it i got more dialogue out of talking baseball movies than anything else i've done we probably could do all the show on it maybe at the, maybe at the all-star break i gotta get a panel going we had the panel with some of our loyal listeners Maybe we'll get those guys back, maybe expand on and get some other guys. Well, you know, I'll keep you all posted. We'll do some fun stuff. I'm working on a fun segment, historical history segment with the Mets for our next show. I know Fourth of July weekend's coming up. And, um, you know, I want to kind of take uh, a chance to maybe look back a little bit. I'm not going to give away too much, but uh, it was 60 years ago that the Mets were born. So we may talk about the birth of the Mets. That's all I'll say. Can't believe the Mets are 60 years old. The Mets are almost eligible for Social Security, if you really think about it. I wonder if that has any significance. All right. I'm 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 starting to get wacky here. That's my cue to go. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can check me out all the time at the Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. 
And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Also want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network, as well as RisingAlpha.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with the Talking Mets Podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.